Good morning, Canada. We have a special Christmas edition of the Daily Brief today just for you. So settle in and join us for the coziest news podcast episode on this corner of the internet. As you unwrap your presents, celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, and spend this time with your loved ones, let's take a look at the wildest Christmas-related stories of 2023. In November, the Canadian Human Rights Commission published a paper discussing anti-racism in the workplace and described Christmas and Easter as a form of discrimination and religious intolerance. An Ottawa-area Girl Guides chapter announced in October that they would be sitting out the Santa Claus parade to avoid breaching its commitment to secularism. Halifax has been sending a Canadian Christmas tree to Boston as part of a century-long tradition to thank the city for lending a helping hand when disaster struck after a catastrophic explosion in December 1917. Hello Canada, it's Christmas Day and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm your festive host, Cosman Georgia. And I'm Isaac Lamaru. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. If you celebrate Christmas, or any Christian holiday for that matter, you might be intolerant and perpetuating, quote, settler colonialism, according to a federal body in charge of human rights law. The Canadian Human Rights Commission published a paper in November discussing anti-racism in the workplace, which described the Christmas and Easter holidays as a form of discrimination and religious intolerance. Entitled, A Discussion Paper on Religious Intolerance, the paper claims that because, quote, statutory holidays related to Christianity, including Christmas and Easter, are the only Canadian statutory holidays linked to religious holy days, they are therefore discriminatory. According to the Federal Human Rights Body, Canada has a long history of religious intolerance, which it claims is deeply rooted in our identity as a settler colonial state. This legacy has led to the system in Canada being, quote, constructed in a way that places value on certain traits or identities to the exclusion of others, for example, white, male, Christian, English-speaking, thin-slash-fit, not having a disability, heterosexual, gender-conforming. That was quite the mouthful. And if we were to be completely honest as Canadians, systemic religious intolerance in our country's contemporary history has been, I would argue, largely directed towards Christians as of late. There is no other holiday that I can think of other than Christmas where it's acceptable to trash the central religious motivation, that is, the birth of Jesus Christ and publicly argue for the devout to be ashamed of their tradition. Around this time every year, there's stories about some effort to cancel Christmas celebrations because they offend some group or another's sensibilities. For example, a few years ago here in British Columbia, a Victoria city councillor attempted to prevent the capital from putting up Christmas decorations or displays. Even during the pandemic, we saw so many Christmas celebrations cancelled 
under the pretense of keeping people safe. And now we have a government body supposedly set up to uphold people's rights, trashing an entire religious group as racist and discriminatory. And this is one of the most persecuted religions in the world, in fact. A lot of people don't like to mention that, but it's true. So I guess all of that leads me to ask you, Isaac, why all of the social enmity towards Christmas, especially on the part of the government? Yeah, Cosman, it's interesting. When I was first thinking about this question, uh, I was thinking about how woke organizations such as this one or left-wing organizations such as this have a tendency to attack Western traditions. But then I started to think it may not even be so much Western traditions, but traditions and culture that they deem as white. So I think it's more than just about Christmas being canceled. For example, we recently covered the University of Alberta student asking to display a menorah uh, in a study space being denied, which also led to the faculty removing Christmas trees. And there's honestly, looking in the news these days, there seem to be an endless amount of examples of things happening like this in universities and with DEI or human rights organizations like the CHRC. This is not just about the canceling of Christmas, but also about the left's constant attack on Western traditions and culture, as I said. I I'm curious, Cosman, why why do we continuously see the left so critical of, of Western traditions and culture, and yet so eager to embrace traditions and culture from overseas, it seems? Well, I think part of it is, it is their destructive philosophy, right, that's at the core of everything they put out. And they have this idea that all of social ills come from certain established systems, whether it's colonialism or capitalism. Uh, and the only way to solve those problems and somehow, you know, live in some utopian state of bliss is to dismantle those systems. But the other thing I think is worth pointing out, and, and you touched on this a little bit, I've made myself clear in the past about this uh, to you listeners, but I'm going to reiterate it here. I'm not a huge fan of quasi-judicial courts like the Canadian Human Rights Commission and their respective provincial tribunals, because there's one of these in every province. And that's mainly because they're staffed and adjudicated primarily by activists who act more like far-left ideologues than proper objective judges. This statement by the commission came out during a time when Jewish people in this country were facing a wave of intolerance prompted by terror-supporting far-left radicals, yet the commission has done virtually nothing to intervene on this matter. Who are they to lecture anybody on human rights? What is even the point of these bodies when they fail to stand up at critical times? And another example I would point to is the during the pandemic, none of the human rights bodies stood up for people who were unvaccinated and were denied the ability to access basic services. So time and time again, they fail their mandate. An Ottawa area Girl Guides chapter sat out this year's Santa Claus Parade to avoid breaching its commitment to secularism. Organizers of the Kanata Santa Claus Parade invited several community groups to participate in the event, but the Girl Guides said they were unable to participate in any activities to do with, quote, faith-based beliefs, behaviors, and traditions as part of its diversity, equity, and inclusion policy. 
The Girl Guides of Canada's fear is that participating in the Santa Claus Parade would be, quote, promoting religious practices, end quote, which could lead to, quote, unintentionally turning away future members who don't share those beliefs. Christmas parades fall under the umbrella of events that, quote, have their roots in religion, end quote, and therefore should be avoided by the group. Girl Guides CEO Shannon Benner released a statement discussing the group's commitment to secularism. She said, quote, Girl Guides of Canada has been working diligently to ensure that all activities offered by the organization are of a secular nature so that we are providing an inclusive space for all who choose to be members of Girl Guides of Canada. According to Kanata South Councillor Alan Hubley, while the Girl Guides were barred from attending the Christmas parade, scouts were allowed to participate. Cosman, we often talk about culture wars taking place in Parliament and even on university campuses. However, it's clear woke leftist initiatives are being promoted everywhere, even among Girl Guides. How do conservatives fight back against this nonsense in 2024? Right, that, that's a difficult question, and I think I did an episode about this story not too long ago, so I'm going to try and avoid delving back into some of those past comments. But it's unfortunate what has happened to some of these organizations, especially the ones that cater towards helping kids like the Girl Guides and the Boy Scouts. I have children, a boy and a girl, and perhaps once upon a time I would have wanted to sign my kids up to something like the Girl Guides or the Boy Scouts. But now you have these groups essentially caving into gender and race ideologues making everything political. And honestly, it's become utterly off-putting for many parents. It's sad, really. Kids should not be embroiled in the political disputes of adults. But unfortunately, we've reached a point as a society where the left sees everything as political. They want to exercise political power everywhere, especially when it comes to influencing young minds. And this is a crystal clear example of that. I honestly don't have the answers as to how we can change as a society, but I do know that it begins with the family unit and with the local community. It's not good to get jammed up in the negativity of seeing all of these good things lost to the left. It's better to see the opportunity to start something new. In the heart of Boston Common, a towering Canadian Christmas tree stands as a bright emblem of friendship between two cities forever bound by a tragic historical event. Nova Scotia's annual Tree for Boston tradition spanning over a century sees the province generously gifting Boston with a majestic Christmas tree each year. The roots of this exchange trace back to the fateful year of 1917 when Halifax was ravaged by one of the largest man-made explosions before the atomic bomb. The cataclysmic event occurred when a French cargo ship laden with explosives collided with a Norwegian vessel in Halifax Harbor, creating a devastating fireball that claimed the lives of nearly 2,000 people injured 9,000 and left entire neighborhoods flattened to rubble. Compounded by a blizzard that hindered rescue efforts, the survivors were left destitute and freezing. In the face of this unprecedented disaster, Boston emerged heroically. Swiftly responding to the call for aid, Bostonians organized trains laden with relief supplies, medical personnel, and volunteers. 
they played a central role in helping Halifax rebuild. In a gesture of appreciation, Halifax sent its first Christmas tree to Boston in 1918, a simple yet heartfelt token of gratitude. Although the tradition paused for a period, it was rekindled in 1971 by the Nova Scotia Christmas Tree Council, and it has since become an enduring annual tradition. The tree selected for this year was donated by the Gorley family in Stewiak, Nova Scotia, and was erected in Boston City Center this November. So I wanted to include this story for a Christmas special because, well, first of all, I'm a sucker for history, and secondly, I think it's a bittersweet example of how people can persevere even when it looks like everything has taken a turn for the absolute worst. I know that being plugged into the doom and gloom of the news can take its toll. In politics and media, there's always a habit of putting conflict before positive relationships, right? And I think this story is a perfect example of the opposite of that. It's a tradition of gratitude Canadians have kept for such a long time, an unbroken chain of love towards our neighbors. It seems like we all need more stories like this in our lives. Wouldn't you agree, Isaac? Yeah, Cosman, I think that society could certainly benefit if news suddenly took a turn towards showcasing more positive stories. Though I don't know that I see that uh, as a likely scenario in Canada. Firstly, we're not really living in positive times as it stands per se. Uh, the cost of living, for example, increases on seemingly a daily basis. And it's becoming more and more challenging for citizens to make financial ends meet, of course. Uh, if that took a change for the better, though, uh, I could see news following suit with more stories that discuss that, uh, uh, a positive financial outlook. Though I do find that unlikely given our current federal government, and I, I don't personally see our economic outlook uh, as improving anytime soon. And as for myself, Cosman, working in the news uh, and consuming it nonstop, I, I, I really see two sides to the coin here. Firstly, uh, I realize the importance personally for my mental health in taking a step back where I'm able to, like on weekends, and just stepping away from all the news and uh, living in my day-to-day -day life, you know, taking a walk outside, breathing in the fresh air, not looking on Twitter every two seconds. But secondly, actually, I found it more difficult to not be glued to the news now, not not just for my job, but I, I actually have found that I have some sort of psychological desire, if you will, to constantly be consuming news, which I think is a habit that some of our listeners may be able to relate to, and certainly something that social media websites have used to their advantage with their algorithms and having the uh, ability to create echo chambers that consume their users. Cosman, what do you think uh, is the solution towards more positivity in the news industry, especially uh, concerning social media? I think you made an important point about the need to step away sometimes and just getting in touch with reality. Um, of course, a lot of the things we read online have a tendency to consume us, and many of them are unfortunately horrible facts that we have to reckon with, but that is not all reality is made out to be. We have families, we have friends. Most often, our lives are not as bad as we think they are, especially when we are consumed with all of the negativity online. While we may not be able to change how news works, because I think it's beyond just, you know, the fault of 
social media companies or, or, or media companies themselves. I think there is a psychological angle to this. And I think people, it's like when people stop to look at a car crash, everybody has this desire to see more shocking things and to be consumed with more uh, up-to-date information. We have the, especially in the digital age, we're just constantly fed a feed of information blasted nonstop. But we have a choice to make. As individuals, we can choose the information we consume. And part of that means looking out for positive stories, seeking the things which brighten our day, but also inform us and provide different valuable perspectives. And I would just like to add on the part of the True North team how glad we are to have such a wonderful audience who is here with us every single day of the week, listening to us and providing your feedback. So that's it for this wintry day, folks. Don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the holidays for all the news you need to know. The Daily Brief will be off for the holidays, but we will return in the new year. Sincerely, from all of us at True North, we wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Don't forget to share our work with your friends and neighbors. And if able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news. <laughs>